Well, I'm going to make an assumption this morning. Since you are here in worship, you probably don't have a cabin up north. <laughs> or you're worshiping online from your cabin up north. The Memorial Day weekend is kind of the traditional kickoff to cabin season. And I don't have a, a cabin of my own, but my in-laws do. And so often this weekend was a work weekend. I have to go up and, and uh, get everything ready for summertime. And in fact, it seems like every time we went to the cabin, it was a work weekend. I don't know how that <laughs> panned out. Maybe you, uh, if you do have a cabin or had one, you remember that. But <clears throat> if I wasn't working at the cabin, then I was probably up north at Coaken, our uh, church's Bounty Waters uh, base camp up there. Because this is the weekend that we traditionally uh, got the camp ready for the summer season. And so there are many Sundays on Memorial Day weekend where I was on a hillside overlooking Section 12 Lake and leading worship in God's glorious creation. But before that, when I was younger, Memorial Day weekend was for actually remembering, for memorializing those who had died, especially those who had died in war. In my father's little hometown in southern Minnesota, there was always a, a parade of veterans. And there'd be a program with, with speeches uh, by minor dignitaries. And of course, there'd be the visit to the cemetery and decorating the graves with flowers and crosses. There would be a rifle salute and taps would be played. And we'd remember all of our relatives who were buried there and the soldiers who gave their lives for our country. It's a good thing to remember. In the Bible, in 2 Samuel, we see a, a tremendous example of remembering those who gave their lives in war. King Saul has tried over and over again to kill David because he saw David as a threat, but David would never turn against the Lord's anointed. No matter how messed up his country was or, or how crazy Saul was, he held respect for the office and for those who served in the military. So when Saul is killed in battle, David doesn't celebrate and rejoice. Instead, David rips open his clothes in grief, and he mourns those who have fallen in battle. Here's how the Bible tells it. After the death of Saul, David returned from striking down the Amalekites and stayed at Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from, David asked him. He answered, I've escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened, David asked, tell me. The men fled from the battle, he replied. Many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man who brought him the report, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan are dead? I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, the young man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and their drivers in hot pursuit. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me, and I said, What can I do? He asked me, Who are you? An Amalekite, I answered. Then he said to me, Stand here by me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I stood beside him and killed him. 
because I knew that after he'd fallen, he would not survive. I took the crown that was on his head and the band on his arm, and I brought them here to you, my Lord. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the army of the Lord that the nation, and for the nation of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. As part of his mourning, David writes a song for Saul and Jonathan, and he teaches the song to the whole country. And the Bible says that the name of the song was the Song of the Bow. And its refrain is, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. This week we remember those who have fallen in war. And they may not have a song written about them, and they may not be remembered by a whole nation, but there is someone who remembers them. Each person has left someone who remembers. Someone who remembers like Dean Markison. He stopped by the church a couple weeks ago and and he left behind a handwritten story about the death of Lance Corporal Lawrence Swanson, a 1966 graduate of Hastings High School. Lawrence entered into the Marine Corps after, after high school and he was sent to Vietnam where he gave his life on February 7th, 1968. And I looked him up in the Marine Corps online memorial, and he was remembered there by a friend, Esteban Valenzuela, who wrote this. Larry Swanson was my friend. I was with him when he was killed. It was a dark day along a tree line near a cane field, just outside a place called Troy Bridge. Today I have no words to add to this remembrance other than I miss him. Jesus says in John 15, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Lance Corporal Swanson laid down his life for his friends and for his country. And so we remember him and, and all those who have died in war. In fact, that's how Memorial Day got its start. It started as a remembrance for those who had died in the Civil War. It was called Decoration Day back then. And the way that the country dealt with its grief and the loss of so many people was to go to the grave with flowers and to decorate the graves. Various communi communities had celebrations on, on their own at different times. Uh, there's about 30 of them that claim to be the first one in the country. Uh, perhaps the first one that we know of is one in Charleston, South Carolina in 1865, the year that the war ended. In Charleston, the horse race track had been turned into a makeshift prison for Union soldiers, and 260 of them had died in captivity and were buried in a mass grave there in the racetrack. When Charleston fell and the Confederate army fled, freed slave exhumed the bodies of the soldiers, and they gave them a proper burial in the cemetery. And then on May 1st, a crowd of about 10,000 people, most of whom were freed slaves, although there were some uh, white missionaries with them as well, they held a parade. And the kids carried bouquets of flowers and they sang songs and, and black ministers recited Bible verses and, and those 
black veterans who had served in the various units in the Civil War, they marched. Three years later, General John Logan, commander-in-chief of the Grand Army of the Republic, he issued a, a proclamation that the whole nation should celebrate Decoration Day on May 30th, exactly 153 years ago today. And in the years since, Decoration Day has grown into this, this holiday that we now call Memorial Day. And while we still remember those killed in war, it's also become a time to remember our friends and family who have died for any cause. A few minutes ago, we saw the slideshow of, of the many, many members and family and friends of Resurrection Church who died in the past 18 months. The list was way too long. Some of those folks were not able to have memorial celebrations for them because of the COVID restrictions. Some will have them in the future, and, and others simply had a, a graveside service with a couple of family members, or maybe no one at all. But today we remember them. And we remember the great hope that we have in Christ. For all who have faithfully lived and died, 1 Thessalonians 4 says this, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. It's hard to lose anyone. And being a Christian doesn't insulate you and me from, from the pain of that loss. My dad died nine years ago. And he's buried in that same small town cemetery he used to take us to for Memorial Day. He was a man of faith. He taught Sunday school. He, he served on the, the missions committee and he, he physically built the pulpit and the cross at the front of his little church in East Chain, Minnesota. When he died, there was pain and there was a hole in my heart. And maybe you felt that way when you lost a parent or a grandparent or, God forbid, a child. And maybe seeing the pictures on the screen today also brought some twinge of sadness to your heart. But though we Christians grieve, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. For we know that those we love are in Christ's care and keeping, and we shall be reunited with them. And this makes their remembrance a true celebration of life. And that's why Christians have always had this peculiar perspective on death. For example, what do we call the day Jesus died? Anybody? Good Friday! Who would name a day somebody dies Good Friday, but Christians do. And all those saints that we celebrate, St. Patrick, St. Teresa, St. Francis, you know what day we celebrate them? The day they died and went to be with the Lord. The only, the only saints' days that are celebrated on their birthday are, are Mary and John the Baptist because they're involved with Jesus' birth. For the rest of the saints, their feast day is the day they died and went to be with Jesus. And of course, not all Christians 
are, are given an official title of saint and get their own feast day. Even now, an average of 11 Christians a day are killed for their faith. And some of these Christians are, are, are known to many and others are, are pretty anonymous. One that you may not have heard about is Father Ragid Ghani. He was born in 1972 in Iraq and he, and he went off to, to Rome to go to seminary. And when he completed his studies, he asked to be appointed back to, to Iraq, to that war-torn country where he served in proclaiming Jesus in the midst of great threat. One night after, after celebrating Mass, he and three of his cousins were approached outside the church by, by a gunman who demanded that they shut down the church. He said, how can I close the house of God? The gunman was insistent. Shut down the church, convert to Islam on the spot, or they'd be killed. They refused, and all four of them were gunned down in front of the church. Today, let us remember those who gave their lives for their country, for those family and friends who've died from any means. But let's also remember Christians like Father Ghani, who gave their lives in service to Jesus. The Bible says in Psalm 116, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. How strange. You know, you'd think the Bible would say, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the life of his faithful servants. But it says death. Because we have this peculiar view of death as people of faith. Through Christ we know that we go from life to life. That death doesn't have the last word, it's not the end of the story. So even in the face of death, we can remember, we can, remoral, we can memorialize, we can grieve, but not as those who have no hope, but as those who have confidence in Christ. Perhaps that's why when, when Jesus was preparing to leave us, he left behind one sign, one sign, and he asked us to do it over and over again in remembrance of me. And that sign was communion, a remembrance of his death. Jesus told us to remember his death over and over again. 1 Corinthians 11 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant to my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we take Holy Communion, we participate in the body and blood of Christ, and we remember. We remember that he loved us so much that he gave his life for me and you. Which, as we just heard, is his definition of the greatest love of all. To lay down one's life for one's friend. He's called us friends, and he gave his life for us. Every time we take communion, we remember that. And every time we take communion, we remember 
how he died for us, his life for ours. And every time we take communion, it is a memorial day. And we proclaim his death until he comes. Until he comes. See, that's the difference. We know that he will come again. We know that death does not have the final say for Jesus. And because he lives, it doesn't have the final say for me or you or Lance Corporal Swanson or your friends or family. Death no longer has the last words because he lives. Because he lives, there's hope for, for even those for whom we grieve. Soldiers who gave their lives, friends and family struck down by accident or illness and martyrs for the faith. Because he lives, we can remember them and truly celebrate this Memorial Day. So let's pray. Now, Jesus, we remember. We remember that your love is so great that you gave your life for ours. We remember that you never leave us or abandon us, even when we go through grief and times of, of great sorrow. Some of us right now are, are going through that Certainly our nation and our world has gone through that with the pandemic and all the violence and, and other things that we have seen in these, these last 18 months. And there are people that, that we miss. That we miss. And we name them now before you, silently in our heart, as we remember today. Lord, thank you for these people. Their memory is precious to us, but it is even more precious to you. Thank you for the gift of life that is stronger than death because of your love.